In this Film Ireland podcast, Paul Farron chats with American cinematographer, camera operator and director Nick McLean. His new book, Nick McLean Behind the Camera, co-written by Irish film writer Wayne Byrne, delves into his experiences working on some of the most famous films of the 70s and 80s, as well as his friendship with Burt Reynolds. We're delighted Nick was generous enough to take time out to give us a taster of what you can expect from his entertaining memoir. Book is fantastic. You know the book sold out already. Really? Yeah, you can't. It says like three days ago, it's not available anymore. I guess they're restocking it. That's fantastic. I hope it keeps up. Must have gone uh, pretty fast. T- tell me this now. I-, I know, but tell our listeners, our viewers, um, h- how the book came about. How you got in touch with Wayne? I somehow I got an email or a message or something from Wayne, and we decided to hook up and talk about Burt Reynolds because he was doing a book on Burt Reynolds and Burt was one of my best friends. So I said, absolutely. And um, we talked a couple times and then Wayne said he'd looked into my background and uh, he's wondering if I'd be okay or I'd be, you know, okay with doing a book on myself, co-authoring a book on myself because of my, you know, so many things he didn't know I'd done, which I have done a few. So um, that's how it got started. Again, you're being, you're being modest again. You've done it way uh, more than a few. I'll be able to boast to my children that I talked to the man who uh, filmed Goonies. And they were... Do you know, Paul, that of all the big, big movies I've done, I swear to God, Goonies is by far gets more publicity. Or, and now there's a whole new generation. The kids around eight years old and 10 years old. You know, they, it goes about every 10 years, but it's huge now. My next door neighbor is a huge rock star. I don't know whether you've ever heard of the Plain White Tees, but he's the lead singer of the Plain White Tees. And it's what started him on his career. He's about <laughs> 40 years old, but he said the first time he saw Goonies, um, that's when he really got interested in doing stuff, you know, um, performing. And he and Dylan and I are going to the, Goonies 35th anniversary in, in January, if they have it. They might not have it because of the virus, but, it, you know, it, it, it exploded, that picture. How did you get involved with that picture? Totally lucky. Uh, Dick um, Donner asked me in to read the script, and I went in and read the script, and, uh, or he gave me, well, first we started talking about Tahiti. We'd both been to Tahiti. We talked about that. And he handed me the script and he said, when you get a chance, read it. So I went out in my car, I read it entirely. I walked back in and I told Dick's secretary, Jenny, I said, I've read the script and he overheard me. And he said, you read the script already? And I said, yep. And he to the room, asked me a couple of questions and he said, welcome Goonies. <laughs> it was that fast, I swear to God. So how did you find that as being a Spielberg Donner production? That must've been a bit tough because Spielberg was hands-on. I did Sugarland Express with him when he was 25 years old. I did Close Encounters with him. So I've known him since he was a kid. So, and he might have even been the one that recommended me to, uh, to Donner. So I was going in with pretty good credentials. Your stepfather and his father were filmmakers. And I think your grandfather was a, an effects man as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was kind of did the first um, background screens, you know, like um, kind of like blue screen and, and that. But 
they were, I can't think of the name of there, but you shoot them from behind, put a picture on that. And he kind of was one of the originators. I think he actually got an Academy Award for that also. And he was also the second or first president of the ASC, which is the American Society of Cinematography. So he was, he was right in there. I was, I came out of a good group. Well, when did you get the desire to get behind the camera? I think because of my whole family was in it and I was, thought I was going to be a professional athlete, but didn't quite make that. And so I took a class at USC in cinema, uh, University of Southern California. And I, about a month into the class, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I just, it was just what I liked and what I wanted to do. So I, I, my career kind of pointed that way in the future. You would have done something quite phenomenal in the 60s as a camera operator in that you did a thing called handheld in studio. Yes, I did. In fact, I did one of the first handheld sequences in uh, Close Encounters. And Spielberg, in those days, you never did it. And Spielberg tried to talk me into it. And it was the, it was the scene at a press conference when they'd seen flying saucers yes. and they were talking about it. And so Steven said, would you be, would you be okay with operating, you know, handheld? I said, yeah, if we do the whole sequence handheld, let's do it. Let's try it. So we didn't know whether it was all going to be, but it looked good. It looked like a press conference. And before they'd never done that before, it was always, you know, on the tripod or Well, it was up there something. with no-nos like flare in the lens, wasn't it? It was like sacrifice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, the, and when I was at Universal as an assistant, they used to send around memos that if you have a flare in the lens, you can be fired. <laughs> and then, you know, a year later, it was worth another $1,000 a week to get a flare in your lens. <laughs> Lens, you know. And it wasn't easy to do either. And as I said, like the damage you could do if you didn't do it properly was pretty... Exactly, exactly. You could wipe out the whole scene, for sure. And worked a lot with Vilmos. I did probably 10 or 12 pictures with Vilmos. And yeah, he was my, my mentor, I would say. So it was on a picture called Red Sky at Morning. Jimmy Goldstone directed in Santa Fe. Vilmos could barely speak English. And, you know, he drove an old... Studebaker, and he, you know, most people kind of made fun of him. I could kind of see he was going in a whole different direction. So I tried to be as nice as I could to him and befriended him. And about halfway through uh, Red Sky at Morning, he says, you know, I've just been contacted because his dailies were incredible, you know, much better than anything back in Hollywood. And he said, I've just been contacted to another movie in Canada, if you'd be interested and it's with a no-name director by the name of Robert Altman. <laughs> Nobody knew Altman at that time. So we went up and did McCabe and Mrs. Miller after that. And in the middle of McCabe and Mrs. Miller, MASH came out. So then Altman became a big star. But, you know, we did two or three like that. Where, you know, we were just up-and-coming cinematographers and camera operators. And, uh, you know, we, we lucked, lucked out and got the be best directors of those times. And, of course, he was bringing that very European style that was... Yeah, in fact, if you see the opening scenes, interior scenes of um, McCabe and Miller, it's black inside, damn near. You know, I mean, you can see what you're looking at, but it's not like the old Hollywood that was, you know... Yeah. You, know. you, you said a really interesting thing in the book about the fact that t things came around in the 70s. It was a lot more experimental, and you were seeing very experimental blockbusters, but with the look and the stories... But as you said, you could right. see silhouettes and no one was going to get scared. Whereas the 80s came along 
and everyone was getting overlit again. The studio had a right. bit stronger a hold. It was, it was great doing silhouettes and all that kind of, in fact, at the end of um, Circle Land Express, it was practically all silhouette against the river, the, the Rio Grande River there. When Goldie, uh, beautiful looking film. It's incredible, it really is. I, I, tell me that some of the other films that you did with Vilmos. I did, I, let's see, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I did The Rose. I did uh, The Deer Hunter. I did, uh, God, I can't think of a bunch of them now that we did. Cinderella Liberty, we did. Yeah, Hal Ashby and I became real good friends on being there. He was, he, Hal was just the greatest. He was a terrific guy. And who were you operating for on that one? On being there, um, Caleb Dagenel. Okay, who went and on, you know, to be probably to this day is still one of the best cinematographers in Hollywood. But in those days, he was like 25 years. He was a real young guy, and everybody wanted to trust him. So Hal gave him that job on being there, and of course he did a brilliant job as he does in everything. What was Hal Ashby like to work with as a director? Because everyone always said that he came from editing and he tended to direct like an editor. Do you think that's is that true? He did come from editing, but he was an excellent director. He knew um, really what he wanted, how to shoot. In fact, at dailies, he'd have two projectors. And as soon as the master camera on one, you know, you like have eight takes on the master camera. As soon as he had what he wanted on that, let's say take two or take three, just tell him to shut off that projector and put up the close-up projector. So we did draw that. So, he, you know, he was editing in his mind, you know. And he's, he, was he was really good. Real, real good. Yeah, we've made a few favorites of mine. Uh, I love Harold and Maude. <laughs> oh, I do too. Good God almighty. In fact, their art director, um, Michael, God, I can't think of Michael's that time, but he was with us on being there and was with Hal a long time. Like, um, how, how did Ashby get on with Sellers? Well, everybody got along with Peter. In fact, when we first got on there, we were told not to wear any purple or have any pencils on the set, because Peter hates that. And I became yes. real good friends at the end towards Peter. I said, what's this shit about you don't like purple or, <laughs> or pencils? He said, there's no truth to that. I love purple. I love <laughs> he said, somebody was giving you a bill of goods there. But he was great, but he knew he was, you know, he had a bad heart. And yeah. we shot in one stage back at uh, Sam Goldwyn Studios that where he'd had the first heart attack. So he freaked out there and we had to wrap and until, which I can understand that, but, but what he had, he could, they could fix now. They just couldn't fix it in those days. Yeah, so. yeah. Let's talk about Burt Reynolds. I mean, Burt was uh, pivotal in you becoming a cinematographer initially. I think you would have become one anyway, but right. uh, he's the one who went, yeah, I'm going to make you a cinematographer. Tell us about that. We were uh, on Sharky's machine. And we were shooting a, a thousand millimeter lens across this kind of a hotel into this gal hooker's room. And we were just talking while they were lighting it up over there. And we were talking about Vilmos, as a matter of fact. And, and we said, um, he was talking about Vilmos on Deliverance, how great he was. And I said, well, Vilmos made me a camera operator many years ago. And Bert was leaving the room and he turned around and he looked at me and says, well, I'm making you a cinematographer. And just walked out of the room. And at the time, I was um, had a real good friend of his. I told him, he said, he doesn't lie about that kind of stuff. And eight months later, there's a knock right on this door, and there's Universal <laughs> sent a script over to Stroker Ace. It was my first movie. Moving from camera operator 
the DP on a major feature with a major star, it just didn't happen. As a camera operator, you were a, a, a relied upon ca a, a camera operator, which is a big deal. I was, and you know, I did a couple with John Schlesinger too, who's English, and he relies totally on the, the uh, camera operator. So you, they work much closer with the camera operator than the DP. So I did a lot of, lot of big stuff as a camera operator. Again, I watched Marathon Man again there recently. Uh, oh, I Favorites and the, the, that fight scene is is phenomenal. That fight scene, I asked. It was my first day on the job, believe it or not, and I asked John if I could do it. He said, "Yeah, try it." And Conrad Hall, you know, was the cinematographer on that, and he just let me go with it. And then by the next day, I was a, in dailies. I was a hero, so I was already <laughs> starting out pretty good. <laughs> and the, the jump to cinematographer was it a was it scary for you, or do you think you'd learned enough and you were just putting things to practice very scary and, and like i've told my kid and other friends who try and move up you know a lot more than you think you know you know yeah you, once you get in there you get the ball you know you're scared to death and you know stroke race was 90 percent exterior which you know i could do with my eyes closed now but every morning when the my assistant would come back talking to the lab and help I'd be scared to death. I, I didn't know what was on the negative, you know, so, but so it takes a while to get, get into that stuff. Yeah, well, it's like you can't fight with the sky. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> so brought your skills to um, TV series, Evening Shade. Over a hundred episodes of that, and I didn't want to do it because of it being a sitcom, but Bert had given me so much work and that I, I did it, you know, whether I wanted to do it or not, but about six months into the thing, I, loved it i absolutely you know you only work three days a week and they pay you for four four weeks and you work three weeks all year so and it, you know i had my own dressing room it was it was great it was a, it was very easy to do but it was worthwhile and bert directed about half of those evening shades okay i, I didn't even know that i that was i like that show i thought it was great fun it was good a lot of good actors but it kind of raised the bar a little about what a sitcom was. I think there was a little evolution going on in the 80s that things like yeah. Taxi and Cheers and all that did. Yeah. And, and, but Evening Shade had a few more locations, didn't it? It wasn't as, as uh, one location bound, was it? Yeah, it was, no, we had like four major sets, but we went out quite a bit. You know, yeah. We went out, um, you know, like one or half a day a week we do exteriors, which is pretty unusual in a sitcom. And uh, tell me this, be, your favorite job behind the camera? DOP, operator, director, which did you like I the best? I think overall as a, a DP, but I think the, my biggest, and I mean, best deal was being there, as being the camera operator, and uh, with Peter and, and Hal Ashby. And it was just a great story, and the guy that wrote it was with us, Jerzy Kaczynski, who later committed committed suicide, but but it was just a all around great deal. And we were down back in Washington D.C., and then the mansion in it was in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and the biggest house in the United States. It was the uh, Vanderbilt Mansion, and it was huge, absolutely huge, and it was haunted, which I really loved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful great. story. It's a beautiful story. It's it's a kind of one off. Yeah. Didn't you shoot Heaven Can Wait? I did. I did um, up until the last three or four days, and I got fired on it. And it was. Yes, I remember that story from the book. 
Yeah. And Fraker fired me. And then he hired me back later on another one. I can't remember what it was on. but And then he actually asked me to shoot. He, he directed the Lone Ranger, and he asked me to shoot that. So it was, it was kind of his bad, but he had to fire me or he was going to look bad. So, but, but the interesting part about that is I left Heaven Can Wait, and Vilmos and I had a place up in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And I just thought I'd go, I'd go up there and drink wine and think about things. The first day I got up there, our caretaker came and he said, you know, you got, it's in the book that you just got a call from Thailand. Vilmos wants you to get over on the deer hunt. So I wasn't without a work more than about a day or so. <laughs> but as a, as a camera operator, you were highly in demand anyway. I mean, you went, you also shot, a, aerial photography was a speciality of yours. When Absolutely. was the first time you did aerial? I did a lot of that. And did you enjoy it? It's a terrifying I, work. I It is terrifying, but and I'm afraid of heights like crazy, but for some reason <laughs> in a helicopter. You're a very brave man. <laughs> in a helicopter looking through a lens, for some reason I have no fear. And I don't know what it is, but if I take my eye out of the camera, I don't want to look down. <laughs> is, is that something to do with the, the, that fantastic madness of making a film? There's no it room for anything else, but make the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be. It was, I, I, it was, I think Ken Russell said, there's nothing more powerful word in the world on a set than action. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. I just amazed it took you so long to come around and write your own book. Was it just simply the fortitude of uh, beating Wayne that made it happen? I think, to be very honest with you, about a year before I was having lunch with some people, and they said, you have to write a book. So I tried, and I sat down in here, and when I would write something, it would look like a fifth grader, honestly. It was just, I was, I didn't write. So it was one of the my, you know, drawbacks. So when Wayne gave me, me the opportunity I went cool and with his knowledge of film and his love of film which I found out later when I came to Ireland Jesus I've never seen a bigger film fanatic than him and he knows <laughs> an awful lot about it he's amazing he absolutely is amazing an amazing trip around Ireland uh I think was you surprised by the the kind of uh the meeting all the people did you expect what you, it, I had it no idea and in fact in my mind I thought Dublin was a little tiny town with thatched <laughs> roofs. It's, Jesus, it's like New York City. But once we got out, it was incredible. It was just, we had a ball. And my, you know, my grandson and my son love Guinness as much as I do. So we had a, a wonderful trip. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time out. Um, it's lovely to see you again. Uh, hello okay. to all the family. And I hope the book sells out again and again. Thank you very much. And the same to you and yours. <laughs>